Countdown for blastoff. X minus one. Yes, it's Maxwell House Coffee Time, starring George Burns and Gracie Allen. Richard Diamond, private detective. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. Suspense. It's time once again for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks. Dragnet. We offer you escape. Kraft presents the Great Gildersleeve. Yeah. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. The Jack Benny Program. Hi, this is Carl Amari, and welcome to episode 20 of Radio Rarities, the weekly podcast series that examines unique episodes from the golden age of radio. My co-host is the vivacious Lisa Wolf. This week, we're offering a horror show beyond horror shows. It's Mystery House. And the star is one of filmdom's horror icons who thrilled us as Dracula, Bela Lugosi. Prior to this program, which was produced in 1944, Lugosi had only made a few radio appearances. One of his earliest was March 30th, 1928, when the Hungarian-born actor was in New York City starring as, who else? Count Dracula, in the Broadway play based on the Bram Stoker novel. On that Friday in March, Lugosi stood before the WJZ microphone at 3.30 in the afternoon to promote the play's evening performance at the Fulton Theater. In the short dramatization, his supporting players from the stage joined him, including Dorothy Peterson, Terence Neal, and Edward Van Sloan. The play was a great success with over 260 performances. In 1931, a few years after Lugosi returned to Hollywood and during the release of the Universal Studios classic Dracula, he gave an interview regarding his role in the film on Los Angeles station KFI. According to Lugosi's biographer, Gary Rhodes, Lugosi was not fond of radio, with remarks he made in 1935 while making films with Imperial Cameo Pictures. It's still unknown what precipitated his negative feelings towards the medium. However, his attitude must have changed somewhat as he began accepting offers to guest on various radio shows. These included the Rudy Valley, Fred Allen, and Kate Smith show. Lugosi also appeared with Orson Welles on the Armed Forces series Mail Call. His best-known radio performance of the era was the suspense episode of February 2nd, 1943, in which Lugosi portrayed the sinister clinician in The Doctor Prescribes Death. This brings us to 1944 and the radio series Mystery House, which was slated to star Bela Lugosi. The Mystery House moniker was utilized for several different radio programs, so there's some confusion as to where the Lugosi series fits in with all of them. Lisa reports that our crack team here has solved the mystery of the various Mystery House series. There were five different series, all with the name Mystery House, broadcast between 1929 and 1944. The greatest confusion between the Lugosi program occurs with the series broadcast live by WGN in Chicago, which started in 1943. Which continued through 1946 and was later distributed via syndicated transcription by Harry S. Goodman. This syndicated program dramatized soon-to-be-released novels of the fictional publishing firm Mystery House. This program was not in any way associated with the Lugosi series. The Lugosi Mystery House series was the 
creation of Frederick W. Ziv. We've highlighted several of Ziv's ventures in previous Radio Rarities podcasts, including Boston Blackie starring Chester Morris, which was broadcast live, and also the syndicated features Bold Venture and I Was a Communist for the FBI. All of these were produced in Hollywood, as was the Lugosi series. The premise of Mystery House was to have Bela Lugosi star each week in a 30-minute thriller echoing the style of the Grand Guignol Theater in Paris. That esteemed venue captivated audiences with gruesome horror plays from 1897 until 1962. The concept for Mystery House was to have Bela Lugosi joined by different guest stars and supporting cast each week. In the episode we're about to hear, fellow actor John Carradine was the guest star. Both Lugosi and Carradine were then starring in Return of the Ape Man, which had just been released by Monogram Pictures. Okay, turn your lights out and let's listen to this mystery house chiller starring Bela Lugosi and John Carradine in The Thirsty Death, as recorded July 3rd, 1944. This is Bela Lugosi, welcoming you to Mystery House. Mystery House, starring Bela Lugosi. Mystery House, where live again the stories of the greatest mystery theater the world has ever known, the Grand Guignol of Paris. Mystery House, where tonight the distinguished actor John Carradine joins Bela Lugosi in presenting The Thirsty Death. Uh, good evening, folks. This is Ken Carpenter. If I sound a little nervous, it's not really my fault. I'm usually a pretty steady guy, calm as anyone, but, well, this is asking too much. Bela Lugosi alone is enough to scare you. John Carradine isn't exactly soothing to your nerves, but put them together in a story set in darkest Africa with mad dogs howling in the background, and, whew, well, find out for yourself. rises on The Thirsty Death, starring Bela Lugosi and his guest at Mystery House, John Carradine. Do you hear those native drums? Do you know what they're saying? Yves Plazanda does. That is why her heart is pounding to the mounting cadence of those ceaseless drums. That's why she's hurrying faster, faster, hurrying through the North African forest in the oppressive heat of this humid afternoon. And that is why Malad, her native houseboy, follows unwillingly, his eyes rolling fearfully in the wide sockets. Malad, faster! Walk faster! Missus, please, better we go by. Don't talk such nonsense! What, Missus? Thirsty death walks. <clears throat> All around us is thirsty death. You hear, Missus? Do you hear? Oh, stop gibbering no. like a frightened child. No. And anyway, we've no. gone too far to turn back now. No. We're almost halfway to the village. No. But are we go back? But are we? Oh, oh, go back! Mullen! Mullen, don't leave me here alone! Mullen! Mullen! Let me in! Open the door and let me in! Eve, it is you. Rene! I couldn't believe my own ears. Come in, come in. Oh, I had no idea this was your house, Renee. 
I knew you lived somewhere near here, but... What happened? I was on my way to the village when Marlott, my, my houseboy, became frightened and ran away. There was a mad dog somewhere near. Well, so I have something to thank the epidemic for after all. Who would have thought back in Paris that we should meet again like this? Oh, Renee, please. Yes, yes, forgive me. I was so taken away at seeing you. Oh, sit down. Let me pour you some water. Oh, oh thank you. Here, drink. Not so fast, Eve. You make yourself ill. More, please. Well, just a little more will be all right, I suppose. I, I never knew before what, what thirst could mean. And imagine those poor devils out there, hundreds of them who have hydrophobia. Eve, whatever induced you to set foot outside your door? Oh, it, it was foolhardy of me, I know. But my husband had to leave for the coast to be gone at least a week. And the prospect of being shut in all alone, except for my terrified houseboy. Yes, the natives are in a dreadful panic. My own houseboy, Gildas, ran off and deserted me yesterday. But you say you were on your way to the village. Well, perhaps you know the Chabours. I was going to stay with them until Francois, my husband, returned. Eve, are you happy with him? Him? You mean my husband? Of course we're happy, very happy. Then why, when I first learned who the new doctor and his wife were, did you send back word by Gildas that I would not be welcome in your home? Because I... Because you were afraid that seeing me might rekindle our love? Wasn't that it? No, no, Renée. It's because Francois is such a jealous husband. Middle-aged men with beautiful young wives usually are. Well, I, I'm rested now. I must be on my way to the village if I'm to make it by nightfall. But you can't go out there again. I must. Oh, Renée, you loved me once. I love you still. Then go with me. Take me to the village. Very well. But you're still tired. Rest a bit longer, and then we'll start. <sighs> Strange, isn't it, Renée, that, that fate should bring us together again like this? Strange and wonderful. And doesn't it prove something to you, Eve? When you sent me away back there in Paris, because your parents wished you to marry this Dr. Plassin, I chose the farthest, most inaccessible, most uncivilized spot I could think of. And yet... Here I am, too. Eve. With my husband. Does he know that you were once in love with another? With me? With another, yes. But I'm not sure. Oh! Those dogs! You said one spine a tingling. Without have my gun, of course. Francois was telling me about the Boivin child. Hydrophobia turned him into such a snarling, howling, frothing beast that they had to smother in between two mattresses. Oh, it's a ghastly disease. And yet there are fools, criminal fools, who refuse to obey the order that all dogs be killed. I didn't hesitate to kill all four of my pets. Eve, why do you suddenly look at me like that? Oh, nothing. There's a dog in your home, isn't there? Yes. But that's sheer folly. Francois refuses to do away with him. That's another reason why I couldn't bear to remain home. I was afraid. What manner of man is this husband of yours? Well, he says he needs the dog for experiments. Please, Rene, we mustn't delay any longer. It, it gets dark so suddenly out here. Very well. I'll get my gun. Rene. What's the matter? Somebody's outside. Probably Gildas, that fool houseboy of mine, coming back at last. No, no, it, it's... Eve, who was it you said you saw just through the windows? Why do you... My husband. 
Your husband? But I thought you said. He mustn't find me here, Renee. He's so insanely jealous, he'll think... He mustn't find me here. Wait, go upstairs. There's a bedroom. All right. Who's there? Oh, good evening. Good evening, monsieur. I'm Dr. Pleasant. Oh, the new doctor. Well, won't you come in? Thank you. I am René Bramont. Yes, I've heard of you. I think that back in Paris we had a... a mutual friend. You must be mistaken, my dear doctor. I am from Marseille. So? Oh, sit down. I'll pour you a glass of Lancet. Well, you are an obliging host. To your health, Dr. Poisson. And yours, Monsieur Bremont. Hmm. Splendid liqueur. And I must say, a comfortable place you have here. Thank you, Doctor. This, I presume, is your living room. Uh, where do you sleep? Uh, why, there's, there's a room at the head of the stairs. No other rooms in the lodge? No, it's a very small place. <laughs> Just the kind of place that would appeal to my wife. We're thinking of building next year, and if you don't mind, I like to take a look at the bedroom. No, uh, that is I. I'd rather you didn't. Oh, the bedroom is uh, occupied, perhaps? Of course not. I I'm here all alone. Then? Well, doctor, I might as well confess. Yes? Gildas, my houseboy, deserted me yesterday. Well, the bedroom is in a frightful mess. I must ask you to wait until some other time to see it. Hmm. As you wish. And now, doctor, at the risk of seeming a rude host, I must remind you that it will soon be dark. You... You think I should be on my way? Well, after all, Dr. Poisson, you of all people should be aware of the menace that lurks in the forest. There are still mad dogs loose, and after dark... Oh, yes. Those mad dogs. And me, completely out of serum. Out of serum? Good heavens! Can't you get some more? The whole district has run out. I intended leaving for the coast today to get a supply, but... Yes? But something very significant came to my attention. So I sent someone else. Doctor, it's such a long trip. Why, this means that for at least a week, every case of hydrophobia in this district must necessarily be fatal. Yes, monsieur. And what ghastly cases we had. Death so horrible that even I, who have seen so much of death, was and utterly revolted. Why? And yet you are so rash as to keep a dog in your own house. What's that, monsieur? What's that? You know I have a dog? Then she told you. She? Why, I, I don't know who you mean. Who told you? Gildas, my houseboy, Gildas. You know how these natives chatter. He heard it from your houseboy. <laughs> a most unusual servant, that Gildas. First leaves your bedroom a frightful mess so that I can't see it. And now he tells you about the dog. Dr. Passan, you must do away with the dog. It's too dangerous. Why, just think if your wife... Your solicitude for my wife's safety touches me deeply, Monsieur Vermont. Too bad she couldn't be along with me on this Why, visit. Yes, it is. But perhaps we shall all three be together quite soon. Goodbye, monsieur. Goodbye, doctor. Yeah. Eve, 
You can come down now. Oh, Renee. Oh, I was so frightened. I, I can hardly stand. Your pale as a ghost. Here, sit down. I thought he'd never go. And when he asked to see the bedroom... Eve, he knew you were here. You think so? His very manner in asking to see the bedroom. And his reaction when I forgot myself and spoke of the dog. Yes, yes. I tried to tell myself otherwise, but I know it's true. Didn't he even speak of a mutual friend in Paris? He meant me. Of course. He knows we were once sweethearts. And now, the way things happen... Don't, Eve, don't. I can't bear to see you like this. And what if he does know? You've done no wrong. God knows you've been a faithful wife. But he... I told you how jealous Francois is. He'll never believe the truth, never. What kind of a devil is he? That you should cower and cringe before him. Oh, you don't know what he's capable of. Then why don't you divorce him? You don't love him, you never have. He'd never consent to a divorce. He's told me so. Then leave him anyway. Eve, darling, come away with me. Come away to the other end of the earth. I'll make you happy, I swear I will. Everything that we once hoped and dreamed together... Oh, Renee, don't, please. You're only making me feel worse. As long as I'm his wife, I... I, I couldn't. Yes. I... I suppose I knew that. Look, night has closed in already. We've got... Eve, what's the matter? If I hadn't caught you then, you'd have fallen. Oh, it's, it's, it's just nerves. I'll be all right. We've got to start for the village at once, Rene. But you're in no condition to ever make it, Eve. Do you realize how far it is? Yes, but I... Those mad dogs prowling in the blackness of the forest? But I, I can't stay here. Why not? You can have the bedroom upstairs. I'll sleep down here on the couch. Do you think he'd ever believe that? Listen, I have an idea. Why didn't I think of it before? Some friends of mine, an elderly couple, have a place down by the river. I'll take you there at dawn. They'll say you were here, all, all, you were there all the time. You really think they will? Positive, and Eve. We were probably wrong about your husband knowing you were here. We just imagined things. Everything's going to turn out all right. trembling. What time is it? Well, as a matter of fact, we'd have had to get up soon anyway. It's just about dawn. Well, then if you don't mind, I'll, I'll go back downstairs with you. I I hate to be alone. Sure thing. I'll start right in fixing breakfast. I had a restless night, too. Uh, wouldn't be a bit surprised if I was going to have another bout of malaria. My head's spinning. And I ache all over. Sit down. I like the lamp. Yes, too. It's eerie blackness. Oh, here's a match. Oh, there. The light from the lamp makes me feel better already. <laughs> I can almost laugh at my horrible dream now. Was it about the dogs? Yes, about the little dog Nero that my husband refused to kill. I dreamed that, that right before my eyes, the dog changed in the shadowy figure of a man. No wonder you woke up screaming. But that was only the beginning of the dream. It, it seemed to me that I woke up there in the bedroom upstairs, and the shadowy figure was, was leaning over me. I was so... Paralyzed with fright, I couldn't move. And then what happened? And then I heard this, this thing go out of my room and close the door. Then it seemed to me that I lay there in eternity, trying to scream but unable to utter sound. Finally, I found my voice. Eve. Renee, you do look ill. I hadn't noticed before how... Eve, I had a strange dream, too. I also dreamed that a sh shadowy figure was moving about in here. No. 
And then I dreamed the figure went out and barred the doors and windows from the outside. Rene, look. The windows are barred. Yes. Quick. The door. Test it. Well, we must still be dreaming. It can't be. It's true. The door is locked and barred from the outside. Whoever you are there, open the door. We've got to get out of here. We've got to get out of here. Well, I hope you're not frightened yet, because this isn't anything. Wait till you hear Bela Lugosi and John Carradine in the second act of The Thirsty Death. And wait till you hear those howling dogs. You're listening to Radio Rarities. We'll return after this short break. Hi, Carl Amari here. If you enjoy classic radio shows like The Shadow, Jack Benny, Gunsmoke, Dragnet, Suspense, and Burns and Allen, consider becoming a member of the Classic Radio Club. Each month, members receive 10 half-hour classic radio shows in superior sound quality, along with historical liner notes and photos of the radio stars. The 10 shows I'll send you will be on five CDs or via digital download, whichever you prefer. Members also receive an email every week with a digital link to the full five-hour Hollywood Hollywood 360 radio show and the 30-minute Radio Rarities podcast that Lisa Wolf and I co-host. The digital links never expire, so you can listen to Hollywood 360 and Radio Rarities whenever you'd like. In total, you'll receive 34 classic radio shows per month. And when you join the Classic Radio Club, there's no long-term commitment. You can cancel at any time. Become a Classic Radio Club member at ClassicRadioClub.com. That's ClassicRadioClub.com. Now, back to Radio Rarities. We left Yves Plazant and René Bermond beating senselessly on the barred door. The barred door which keeps them prisoners there in the Bermond's lodge, remote in the North African forest. As we return to them now in the ghostly dawn, they are still hammering their fists on the door in a fit of panic, still shouting hopelessly for help. Stop it! Stop! Stop it, Yves! We're behaving like panicky children. We've got to be calm. We've got to think this thing through like rational human beings. Calm, Rene? Rational? Yes, yes, of course. We wake up and find the door and windows barred from the outside. Now, is that any reason to give way to terror? Shadowy figure, Rene. He must have had a purpose. A ghastly purpose. Nonsense. He only existed in your imagination. And I dare say you transplanted him to mine. For all we know... Gildas may have done this just as a joke. You don't really believe that, Renee? Certainly I do. Or if it wasn't Gildas, maybe it was some native with a twisted sense of humor. Oh, Renee, we've got to get out of here. Naturally, and it shouldn't be very difficult if we use our heads. Now then, let's see. Why, of course. I have a hatchet over here in the drawer. Oh, Renee. Gone. Renee, he took it. Whoever locked us in took it. Now, now. No. Don't get hysterical no. again. I can always fire my revolver, and maybe it might help that way. Well, then hurry, hurry. Let's see. The cartridges are over here in the other drawer. No. Cartridges? They're gone, too. Yes. They're gone, too. Rene, the door. Somebody's there. It's opening. Dr. Fraser. Ah, good morning, Monsieur Bimond. And Eve, my dear wife. Aren't you happy to see your devoted husband again? You locked us in, didn't you? Yes, it was you. Stand where you are, monsieur. I shall feel impelled to use my gun. Dr. Fraser. What sort of comedy do you think you're playing? A romantic one, but only as a supporting player. 
I'm sure you'll be the first to admit that. Oh, no, 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 Francois. It isn't true what you're thinking. We can explain everything if you'll only give us a chance. Yes, I'm sure it would be a most ingenious alibi. You blind, stupid, jealous fool. I demand that you let us out of here at once. Let you out? Oh, no, I couldn't do that. It would be criminal. Criminal? Decidedly, you are dangerous. What riddles are you speaking now? Not riddles, facts. Oh, he's gone mad, completely mad. No, my dear wife, I'm not mad, but unfortunately, it will soon be impossible to say the same about one of you. What? Which one? Me? Perhaps. And then again, perhaps it is she. Who knows? What are you talking about? Tell us what you have to say and be done with it. Very well, Monsieur Bremont. Remember telling me that I ought to have killed my little dog? What about it? I have been forced to follow your advice, monsieur. You see, the dog had become rabid. Oh. But what has that to do with us? Patience. Patience. What will interest you particularly is that last night, after I killed the poor dog, I filled my hypodermic needle with its saliva. With its? Saliva? Yes, it's saliva, brimming with hydrophobia. And then I came back here, came back all the way through the forest, and came back with my hypodermic needle. And it was really you, you that I saw leaning over my bed. And then you injected the needle into me, you monster! You infected us both! No, no, not both. Just one of you. Don't you remember my saying? Uh, oh, which one? Which one did you infect? It wasn't me. Or me, in the name of heaven, man. <laughs> very soon you'll find out. But very soon the one who is infected will begin to feel the symptoms. You're quite unmistakable, I assure you. First... Just a general feeling of sickness, steadily growing worse. And I'm the one. I woke up feeling ill. And what about me? I thought it was malaria. Next will come that awful crucifying thirst. And then the final stage. The transformation into a snarling, frothing, howling beast that will bite and tear and stand back, Raymond, or I shoot. Dr. Prezan, by all that is holy, I Swear that we are innocent. Oh, yes, Francois, yes. Have you no mercy? I have only advice. There in the drawer, where you failed to find the hatchet, I left a knife. A knife? Oh, it's not sharp enough or strong enough to tear open the door or window bars. However, when the mad person attacks the healthy one, the knife will prove useful. <laughs> Goodbye. If we only knew. If we only knew which one of us it was. Not me. He wouldn't have done it to me. He wants me. He wouldn't destroy me. It's you, Renny. He did it to you. You're just saying that, Eve. You know in your heart it isn't true. Suspicion has turned his love for you into inhuman hatred. You're the one he'd want to destroy, not me. It's you he's infected, you. First, just a general feeling of sickness, 
Steadily growing worse. General feeling of sickness. Steadily growing worse. That's what he said. What's that you're saying, Eve? Rene, there's no longer any doubt about it. It was me that he infected. No, no, no. It was me. Just as he said, the symptoms are unmistakable. Why should I lie to myself or you any longer? I'm the victim. You're sure, Rene? You're positive? Good to God that I weren't. A general feeling of sickness. come that awful crucifying thirst. That awful crucifying thirst. Rene! Where is the water jug? Why, it was right over here. Empty! No! That devil! He must have poured out all the water. Poured out all the water! And I'm so thirsty! So horribly, terribly thirsty! You are? Eve, you are? Then you must be the one. Water! Water, give me water! Uh have water. And then, the final stage. The transformation into a snarling, laughing, howling beast that will... Why do you stand there looking at me, Rene? Water! I've got to have water! There's nothing I can do, Eve. Nothing! You've got to do something! There in the drawer where you failed to find the hatchet, I left a knife. Water! I've got to have water! When the mad person attacks the healthy one, the knife will prove useful. Rene! What are you doing with that rod? Why, I... Put down I... that knife, Rene! Put it away. Put it away, do you hear? Eve, stay away from me, I warn you. He's going to kill Don't me. come a step closer. Kill if you do, I'll knife. have to use this knife. We're locked in here together, Eve, and there's nothing I can do but use this knife. Help! Doctor, doctor, see, I come back. I come back. Yes, my lad, you come back. Missus, where is she? Where do you think she is? The home was Monsieur Bremont, where you took her. Monsieur Bremont? No, no, doctor. Mollet not take missus anywhere. Mollet get scared of dogs. Run away and leave missus all alone in forest. Come back now to say very sorry. Don't lie to me. You took her to Monsieur Bremont yesterday. Just as you had probably taken her many times before. No, no. Tell me, my lord, no. how much did she pay you for keeping her secret? Secret? What secret you talk about? Don't taunt me about You lying devil. No. It won't do any good. I found her with Monsieur Bremont. Who this Monsieur Bremont? Mollet not know. If no. you say that once more, I'll flood you. Huh? The game is up. I've huh? caught her with her lover and... Mollet not know what you talk. Yesterday, Mrs. Say go with her to village. On the way, dog come. Mollet run. Leave Mrs. behind. Now, come back to say very sorry. A very huh? clever story, oh, Mollet. Yeah. And who knows? I might have been fool enough to believe it, if not for this. Oh, you get letter. Yes, a letter. Last night, while visiting Monsieur Bremont's lodge, I found it in a drawer hidden under a box of cartridges. It's in her own handwriting. Doctor, what letter say? I couldn't bear to read what my wife wrote to her lover. I haven't read it. 
But I will now. I'll read it now. This is very good to Molly. Very good to Molly. Doctor! What is it? Why you... Rene, everything that once was between us is forgotten and must forever remain that way. Please, I beg you, never come to see me. And if ever we chance to meet, remember I am Madame Pleasant and not the girl who... Oh, dear God! What have I done? Doctor, where you go? Quick, by it, come! Maybe there is yet time! Let me out, for God's sake! Let me out of here! Yes, yes! Quick, Marit, help me get the door open. Missus! Death. How did you expect to find her? So, you killed her. Yes. I killed her. I was only your instrument. You gave her that monstrous disease. Eve. Eve. Look at her now. Your wife. Your beautiful young wife. You and your hypodermic needle. You made her into a frothing, howling, biting... Listen to me. It's true. The blood is on my soul. She was not a victim of hydrophobia. What? All that about that hypodermic needle. I made it up. Neither you nor, nor my wife was touched. Ladies and gentlemen, that was The Thirsty Death, starring Bela Lugosi and John Carradine with Lorene Tuttle. What's the matter, Ken? We didn't frighten you, did we? Well, I'm afraid you did, Bela. That was pretty scary. Oh... That was nothing. Nothing? No. Wait till you hear next week's story. The Grand Guignol play about a woman who was buried alive. And my guest will be the beautiful and charming Simone Simone. Hope you and your audience will join me next week at Mystery House. Bela Lugosi is currently being starred in a series of Mystery House pictures at Universal Studios. You'll find Mystery House novels on sale at your local bookstore. John Carradine will soon be seen in the title role of Bluebeard. This is Ken Carpenter. I can still hear those howling dogs, Carl. Unfortunately, we don't know who did the howling. We also don't know who wrote the script. But we do know that the great Lorene Tuttle was the mortified Eve. And Ken Carpenter was the announcer. During the closing credits, Bela Lugosi encouraged listeners to tune in next week when his guest will be the beautiful French actress Simone Simone. In a story of a woman buried alive. That could take your breath away. Unfortunately, there was no second episode nor third, and the project came to a halt. The Thirsty Death served as the audition, 
and its one and only episode. It's too bad, Carl, because this would have been a really great horror series with Lugosi as star and a proposed guest star list including Boris Karloff, Blanche Yurka, Peter Lorre, and Lon Chaney Jr. Another interesting item mentioned by Ken Carpenter was the Mystery House series of films in which Lugosi was purportedly involved. That's all a big mystery to us. It appears that none of these films were completed or released. In the episode, Ken Carpenter mentions a line of Mystery House books. These were an imprint of Arcadia House and were being published at that time, continuing for several years. That promotion was similar to what Inner Sanctum was doing on its radio program, publicizing a series of Inner Sanctum novels published by Simon & Schuster. Right, Lisa. That was a great way to cross-promote. The radio shows promoted the books, and the books promoted the radio shows. Following the Mystery House attempt, Bela Lugosi continued to appear on several radio programs. These included The Abbott and Costello Show, Suspense, Crime Does Not Pay, Command Performance, and Country Fair. Interestingly, Lugosi played a detective on two occasions. On March 19, 1947, he was a guest armchair detective on The Adventures of Ellery Queen. And a couple of months later, he portrayed the fictional Hungarian detective Dr. Hagee as guest detective on the May 18, 1947 episode of Quick as a Flash. When he was introduced by the program's MC, Ken Roberts, Lugosi informed Roberts that Bela means beautiful. I guess Lugosi was trying to avert his reputation as a monster. Well, that's all the time we have for this edition of Radio Rarities. Radio Rarities is a Gulfstream Studios copyrighted production produced by yours truly, Carl Amari. My co-host is Lisa Wolf. Mike Costella is our executive producer, and the show is written by Carl Shadow. Next week, we present actor John Daner in a new show, but it's not a Western, so don't miss it. Thank you for listening. Hi, this is Suzanne Newman, host of the Answers for Elders podcast and radio show. We are the North Star that guides you through the complicated journey of senior care with trusted experts in money, law, living solutions, and more. So join us on this station, your favorite podcast channel, or just go to AnswersForElders.com. Meet the Way Showers who will help your journey a lot easier.